Previously on Maverick. I would get these kind of intermittent texts from him and then his dad tried to bribe him with the equivalent of like $10,000 US. He was offered a house, he was offered all sorts of things and Bashada just continued to say no. The car didn't take him home. He took him to a part of town that he didn't know where he was and then when he arrived that night, that was the last I heard from him. You're listening to Maverick. And just a bit of a warning here. This episode has some sensitive content. So when Bashara got in the car that Friday night, he wasn't taken home. He was taken to a kind of abandoned prison. It had been used under the previous president as a torture facility. Most people who went in never came out sort of thing. It's about 12 kilometers outside the city where there was a a house that had been used for years, kind of a remote area where uh, there's no electricity and um, he was tortured. So the goal of this torture was they wanted him dead and if he wasn't dead, they wanted him, one, to not be able to walk and not to be able to reproduce. And so at nighttime they would lock him in a cell it was just a few feet, about a few feet. It wasn't even long enough for him to lay down. And there was a noose that hung down in his room. And so he would spend the nights contemplating his death. And in the morning, he would uh, experience it. And so this goes on. He disappears on a Friday. Uh, I mean, Dan and I were just, I mean, we're terrified. It's like, what do you do? We're in this country where like, you can't call the government because it doesn't work that way because the military is involved. And this guy knows military people. You can't call the police. If you try to call your embassy, it will inevitably make things worse. There's nothing that you can do. And so the only thing that I need to do and the best thing to do was to start mobilizing prayer. I mean, we start getting everybody we can think of to pray. Any safe route that we can get prayer, we start contacting churches directly. And there was a movement of prayer like I've never experienced in my life. There were about 50 of us in a room. Um, it was our weekly prayer meeting. This is Andy Hickford. He's the pastor of Upton Vale Church in England. Andy had already been following along with Bashara's story from the beginning because he would receive updates from Dan. But on that night, as his congregation was gathering for prayer, he got an urgent text. And it was during that meeting that he texted me and said, you know, Bishra has been seized. He's being tortured. Not sure if he's going uh, to get out of this. Please pray. And to us here, prayer might sound like a cop-out, like a flimsy sort of fix for a gigantic problem. We want something tangible, and we feel like our efforts might be better spent elsewhere. And that might be true, actually, depending on what sort of prayer we're talking about. If you think about it, like your typical prayer meeting, you get together, you chat for a little bit, somebody shares a devotional, then you share your prayer request, and then you maybe pray for five or 10 minutes, and then you go home. And that's called a prayer meeting. But the kind of prayer that if you want to stereotype a believing African prays prayers of faith. 
and they don't like to stop until they get those answers. Whereas you contrast typical Americans who pray, we say, oh, I prayed for that thing and it didn't work, so I stopped. And sometimes it's just because they don't have the seeming luxury to rely on different kinds of insurance or whatever it is. They need the Lord to show up, and so they've got these healthy habits of, Lord, I'm going to pray for this thing until you answer. So maybe prayer feels like a simple thing to do in a complex situation, but the kind of prayer that Dan was calling for, the kind that his many years on the field has made him accustomed to, is the kind of relentless praying that's filled with faith and urgency. And that's exactly what Andy and his community found themselves in the midst of. It was a profound experience that night as the whole room just, you know, the other side of the world, we kind of stepped into the gap, really. There was a tenor and a tone and an intensity, uh, a poignancy, uh, an authority, actually, and a power to that prayer meeting, which, you know, doesn't normally happen. It was a deeply memorable experience as we as we really petitioned God and pleaded for, for Bishra's life. I would send out an update. I think I did one each day because it was the only thing to do. And it was like such a weird thing that you can give people across the world like real-time information about what's going on. And I later found out that there were people all over the world praying for this. And then they would forward our emails on to other people. And so there were like thousands of people in different church fellowships. It was just incredible how much traction this got. It, and yet it would seem like it was just like the Holy Spirit convicting people to pray and to intercede in the situation. I remember it was in that following week that I had loads of people in the church who were messaging me every day just saying, what's the latest we continue to pray? And it felt like we were we were doing the Book of Acts in real time. You know, there was a, a role we had to play in simply standing in the gap and praying. So yes, Bashar's story is across an ocean from us here in America. And it can feel a whole world away from our own context and influence. But that's what makes prayer such an incredible thing. Even as we sit in our living rooms, there's an invitation to lift our eyes up out of the normal, join the church spread across the globe, and ask God to intervene where we can't. I guess that what this story does uh, for our experience of Christianity is to is to challenge our worldview. You know. In the West, we've grown up in this enlightenment culture, this scientific dominated rational culture that has historically shaped the way we think. And right at the heart of Christianity is the idea that there is a God who transcends us, a God who stands outside of time and space, who has all power at his disposal and can do things that break the laws of science and that the Bible calls miracles. And it's been our privilege to be gripped by all that God's doing there and to journey with them. During his time in that facility, Bashar was being guarded by six people his father had hired. They would take turns coming in and torturing him, always asking if he was ready to recant and leave Christianity. 
and he had also managed to hide his phone and his SIM card somewhere else, and every once in a while, he was left alone long enough to text Dan. That's why on that Saturday morning, he was able to say, I'm still alive, and I don't know where I am. They're keeping me in a cell. They're not, you know, not feeding me, they're not giving me water. He finds out on Sunday morning that his father is coming. He's already sent a body bag with instructions to this guy who's in charge. Beat him again, if he doesn't recant, then kill him and throw him in the river. So I know you're probably asking some questions right now. How did Bashara hide his phone and how did he find out about his father coming? And I really wish I could answer those questions for you. But the details of what happened during that time are off the record. There's just too much at stake for the people involved. And so you're just gonna have to trust me as I only let you in on what you can know. Bashara was brutally tortured in ways I'm glad I don't have to detail. During his time in the cell, one of his captors had a change of heart and they actually started secretly helping him. They hid his phone and would bring it in for him to use when the coast was clear. They also managed to sneak him a bit of food every once in a while. And they'd give him updates as they had any news, which is actually how Bashara found out that his dad was coming and expecting him to be dead when he got there. So as his dad was on his way, they came up with a plan. They were gonna fake Bashara's death and help him escape. And I can't tell you how they pulled it off, but they did. And Bashara made it to a safe house where he spent the night. And although they helped Bashara escape and brought him somewhere safe, he wasn't sure if they'd been compromised and how long he had before they all got caught. So just before the sun came up, Bashara snuck out. And he made his way to a friend's house where he was able to call Dan to have him pick him up. So that morning, Dan and Ryan went together to get Bashara. The guy he was with wasn't really a close friend and Bashara hadn't told him everything that had happened. So the three of them, Dan, Ryan, and Bashara, were all sort of playing it cool and waiting for his friend to leave. And Bashara recalls that moment like it was an eternity. He had to act like everything was normal, but in reality, he was in the lowest place of his life. And when he left, Bashara just started to cry. And yeah, just, I hugged him and I started crying too. And it's just something that I don't, I don't think I'll ever forget. He needed help. He was this, this rich kid. He had everything, you know, that the world could offer. And he walked away from it and he had nothing. He had me and this other white guy to take care of him. And after his dad had just tortured him and tried to kill him. And I think that's when we became like brothers. He just cried. Never seen him cry, of course. And um, he just wept and wept and wept and just held on to Dan. He just held Dan. And uh, Dan just held him. And Bashada just, he cried. And um, then we started trying to put together a plan. We knew that he couldn't stay there because he was still in danger. They found a hotel in an area of town that his family wouldn't go looking for him. And Bashara stayed there for a week. No phone, no leading Bible studies or evangelizing or healing people, just recovering. I would go see him every day. 
I would take him some food that my wife had fixed and we would meet together and uh, we would pray and um, we would read the Bible together. And that was when we started to sing too. And it was really cool. And uh, Washada wrote an awesome song during that time. And it was just a, a psalm of God's perseverance, a song of God's faithfulness to him. And um, that was a, it was a difficult and scary time um, because it, it, it didn't stop. I mean, uh, but um, God was awesomely faithful. And during that time when Bashara was recovering in the hotel, Dan also introduced him to another missionary named James. Dan had taken me to this hotel to to meet Bishara for the first time. It was just this one little small hotel room with a, with a bed, a chair, and he had a bunch of medicines in the corner. No person on earth should experience that kind of pain from their own family or that a rejection or threat. And so that meeting him at that moment, there's no words sometimes to say, right? I just, I didn't have anything that was good to say. Um, and I think that was good as God kind of just shut my mouth because really it was just, you know, coming to the Lord in prayer over him and the scripture. That's all I remember really doing in that moment is just giving him a big hug, you know, and meeting my, my little brother, Bishara, and just being there for him in this time when he really needed it. And that week was just really restorative. And by the end of it, he was able to say, the Lord's really met me and I'm okay. Uh, not that those things didn't deeply hurt him. Um, most of all, the emotional pain of your father doing that to you. But he had hope. His faith was like, it was galvanized because of it. It wasn't worse because of it. He wasn't wondering, God, are you really good? Are you really there? He knew that the Lord had saved him and he knew that he was a follower of Christ more than ever because of it, not despite of it. So you know the saying, there's two sides to every story? Well, with this particular part of Bashar's story, there's two sides to Dan's telling of it. There's the way he just told it, and there's the other way he tells it. And there's a lot of value in both. So to get the other side of the story, we'll jump back to the beginning again. So to put this in context on my side, I was home with the kids and our son was sick in bed and Bishara had just got in this car to go meet his dad. So that Saturday, what do I do? Well, um, I took our son to get some blood work, which was an experience in and of itself. And then I found myself trying to restring my guitar. I don't know why. And I wound up busting two strings in the process. and. That's the way I was spending my day while he was getting tortured and just waiting and praying. On Monday morning, this is one of the more bizarre days of my life because I'm on single parent duty. I drop the kids off at school. I pick up Ashara who can't really walk. He's in bad shape. So we took him to a clinic, but we also had to find housing for him. So we find this hotel. It was in a part of town where his family wasn't gonna know where he was. So I dropped off Bishara, 
and then it was time to go to school for a parent-teacher conference. I think I had to go home and make some peanut butter sandwiches first, and then I went to school. So then, you know, change gears from a person who was nearly murdered and escaped to, okay, let's talk about why my daughter is doing well in history and has some room for improvement in math. And then after that, we also had lined up that day uh, a team meeting. And so I went to the team meeting and by that time, Bishara had to go back to the clinic to get some results. So here I am, I've taken the kids to this team meeting because there was nowhere else to take them. Picking up Bishara and going to the clinic, we bought him some pain medication and he went back to the hotel and I took the kids home and I, we had dinner and uh, I'm pretty sure I watched a TV show and went to bed. The reason I think both sides of this story are important is because we can have this false idea of what it looks like to be used by God. On the one hand, being in the midst of all of this is epic and tragic and probably the most incredible thing Dan has ever been a part of. But on the other hand, these amazing things are coupled with the mundane, day-to-day, -day, normal things of life. Every type of media right now seems to convince us that life should be this full-throttle, every-minute-is-highlight-worthy type adventure. And the truth is that even on the mission field, when ridiculous things are happening, life is still full of ordinary stuff. It never quite happens the way the movies tell us it will. And I think we're missing something about our own lives and ministry if we don't embrace that. Being used by God doesn't mean you're pulled out of the ordinary. It means the kingdom breaks into the ordinary and puts everything into perspective. And so while Dan was restringing his guitar and making PB&J, God was miraculously rescuing Bashara. When there was absolutely no way out, Bashara walked out alive, again. When his dad got to the facility that night in order to confirm his death, there was no body for proof. But the plan that Bashara's accomplice had come up with was convincing enough that his dad believed it. He had promised Bashara that he wouldn't leave the country until Bashara was dead. And he was convinced that he had made good on that promise. When he got home, he took out his journal, the one with the list of people he had killed, and he added Bashara's name at the bottom. But what he didn't know was that Bashara's mom had a different book, and she had a list of her own, an entire community full of people she couldn't wait to introduce to the Bible. On the next episode of Maverick. That was pretty powerful to see that there was another person that walked out of the way of Islam and into the way of Jesus. When I heard it, it stopped me in my tracks. I wanted to keep listening. The, like You kind of have to take a gulp and say, Lord, are you really doing this? Maverick is brought to you by Pioneers. Special thanks to Fis Akonga as the voice of Bashara. For show notes or to find out how you can get involved, go to pioneers.org slash maverick. <laughs>